This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. Let's start here um, in the Toronto Sun this morning. Warren Kinsella, who you often hear on our program, uh, periodically on the Alex Pearson show as well, um, clearly did some great work on this story. Uh, We talked about Belleville yesterday, and Belleville's a little town, Prince Edward County, 55,000 people. And I mentioned before, I've done uh, Ontario Hockey League games for seven seasons, and uh, whether it was Saginaw or with Windsor when I lived in Michigan. And uh, and you'd have a trip to Belleville one time a year. We never played them in the playoffs. They're in the Eastern Conference, Saginaw and Windsor in the West. But I know the town because for seven years you'd end up with, uh, you'd either have a hotel in Kingston or you'd have a hotel in Belleville. And you're not staying at a fancy place. I don't know that Belleville would claim to have a really fancy hotel. But you'd know your way around the downtown. And maybe there'd be somebody that, would come from Toronto or Oshawa that you knew or Whitby and you'd meet them for a drink or you'd go out with your team after the game. So I know Belleville. So when I saw the story the other night, and we talked about it in the morning yesterday, that uh, Belleville police were warning, compelling people not to go to the downtown area. I thought, this is really something. Why were they doing that? Um, Overdoses, opioid crisis, drugs, and... A lot of that is people living on the street. And I urge you to read um, the Toronto Sun this morning um, and read because I read it last night. You may have seen it already. But Warren Kinsella wrote um, a a piece and obviously traveled to Belleville, must have done because I think he lives in near uh, in, in Prince Edward County area. And 13 people, the cops put out a release saying, please don't come downtown. And that's a heck of a thing for a police force to say. They're saying this is beyond our capacity and we want roadways clear as well for ambulances, first responders, for the cops as well. Uh, 13 people. They were dealing with 13 different overdoses in a one hour span between 3.30 and 4.30 on Tuesday. It's Thursday now. And like I said, he did the work obviously Wednesday to talk to people. And we've done stories on this before on this show. Like, again, we don't want to just give you a, a headline and, you know, uh, it, it, and just not tell you what we think. So there's some extra digging involved on this particular show. If uh, if other hosts want to mail it in, great. I did. It's not, it's not our thing here. And it really isn't our thing here at 640 Toronto. Go deeper into the story and give you something that you can use. So we've often told you before, whether it's been in London, whether it's been in Waterloo, we've told you that people are getting bussed to these cities from Toronto and just dropped off. Like they will buy you lunch. How's lunch and a free bus ticket sound? Nice, warm, warm bus get you out of the cold and we're going to send you somewhere where they'll be able to take care of you. And the first part is true. They send you somewhere. The last part isn't true. They don't take care of you. Big cities are sending homeless and drug addicted people to smaller towns. I don't know who orchestrates it or organizes it. I can't get a read on that yet. But um, Warren Kinsella talked to a man named Brian, and he basically said he's living on the street, and he said there's been two or three buses here. They get offered a free lunch. The bus takes them here. It's happened two or three times in the past few months that he knows about, and his quote, it's people other places can't handle. But there's so many people here already, and there's no resources. And I know that we hear from you on a regular basis, on the phones when we open them up, and on the text line, which is always open. You can always text our show at 416-870-6400, and we read them. We can't respond to everybody, uh, but we read them. 
The mayor above Belleville is Neil Ellis. He used to be uh, an MP and he came on the Kelly Cotrera show yesterday and it was a fascinating conversation. And sometimes um, political uh, types, if you will, will flinch and they won't tell you what they really think and they will obfuscate and they will. We had a conversation, I think, like that yesterday with um, NDP MP Charlie Angus, who wants to ban oil and gas advertising and put people, uh, you know, massively fine them and potentially jail people who are trumping up the importance of fossil fuels. You know, the things that heat our homes, sometimes our cars and the like. But without digressing too much into that, let me let you hear from Neil Ellis on Kelly's show yesterday. Yeah, it was a pretty hectic day. And, and overall, there was, I believe, 17 uh, uh, overdoses uh, up till nine o'clock. Usually it's only two or three a week. Um, we did have uh, about a month and a half ago, uh, it peaked. Uh, there was a bad batch of drugs in and we had uh, just over 90 in a week. Ellis has made the point, as we have several times, and by the way, I, I appreciate the fact that the mayor comes on. We've tried to get the mayor of Oshawa on. We haven't been able to. Uh, we'll talk to the mayor of Whitby later on this morning on an unrelated issue, but I'm going to ask her about this open drug use, homeless people, and whether this is affecting uh, the downtown area. I know Durham region really, really well. And whether it's Whitby, whether it's, you know, Brooklyn is a lovely village. You can walk up and down, have a lovely night out. It's a great date night to go to Brooklyn, um, spelled L-I-N, not L-Y-N. But the concept seems to be that the other levels of government are just missing in action on this file. Here's more from Mayor Ellis. Homelessness is getting worse. Uh, the unhoused is is growing, and when you look at uh, cities like Peterborough, London, uh, anyone you name, uh, have hundreds of, of homeless people, and I, I don't see it getting any better. There hasn't really been a move towards um, fixing some issues or, or trying to do them. Yeah, I don't either. So it's something we'll talk about, I'm sure, uh, a good chunk of the rest of the morning. Let me shift to this. Uh, yesterday, uh, he was put on the spot in a scrum at uh, Parliament Hill. But Pierre Polyev is the Conservative Party leader of Canada. And he's kind of tried to, you know, I, I wouldn't say stick handle around the um, notable issue, which was laid bare by Premier Daniel Smith of Alberta last week. And that is rules, guidelines for what to do when it comes to childhood identity, childhood sexuality, what's the responsibility of schools, what about parental rights? Uh, parental rights have been shifted to be some kind of a you know, right-wing trope, and I would tell you, no, 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 I'm a parent and we have rights. And while you hear me say all the time to teachers that call, thank you for being an educator, thank you for teaching, you are briefly renting our kids, they're ours for life. Some people don't like the term ownership. Oh, you don't own your kids. No, not necessarily. But no one's universally more responsible. No one's done what I've done and my wife has done and no one ever will. So we get to have a say and we get to have knowledge. And that's all we look for at a certain point in time. So yesterday, Pierre Polyev weighed in and said when it comes to the case of puberty blockers, which um, it, this is an odd answer. I'm not blaming Polyev for this, but you you see and you'll hear this. You'll hear the media chase down Pierre Polyev and ask for details about something. I'm sorry. I'm coming at this straight up the middle on you. I've never heard them be so voracious to ask Justin Trudeau for details about Daniel Smith's policy with age limits for puberty blockers, with age limits for transitioning, for age limits um, and, and limitations on biological males playing women's sports. Here's Pierre Polyev's answer outside the House of Commons. And I believe that adults should have the freedom 
to make any decision they want about their bodies. But minors still have their surgeries and medical interventions for minors, as your own party members suggested. Medical sir. interventions like what? That, that, it, that is the language that your party What medical used. interventions? Well, you would have to ask your party members. What medical such interventions? As medical, such as puberty blockers and hormone replacement. For minors? Yeah. Yes. Irreversible? You're talking about irreversible. I want to be clear. I want to be clear. Puberty blockers for minors? Yes. Do you agree with that? Do you agree yeah. with that? I think that we should protect children what and their ability mean? to make adult decisions when they are adults. So you think only, only adults only adults should make the, just, oh, you said yes? Just just to be clear, you said yes, only adults should take puberty blockers. I think we should protect children, let them make adult decisions when they become adults. Do you hear that disaster of an example of journalism at the end? Do you think only adults should take puberty blockers? Uh, maybe you could explain to me what adults are going through puberty. Most females start puberty when they're 8 to 13, and it lasts a few years. Most men a little bit later. Most males, I should say, between 9 and 14. Yeah, it's possible that some go through things a bit later, but <laughs> there isn't a scenario where an adult, where a 22-year-old is taking a puberty blocker, and there isn't a world where I'd want them not to be able to. But there's no point. You're past puberty. Was that a real question? I, I don't think Mike Wallace from 60 Minutes is spinning in the grave uh, uh, regarding that lady's question and thinking, wow, <laughs> she's outdoing me in my career. I don't think so in the least. Here's author Andrew Sullivan documenting where he's at on puberties. He's an openly gay man. He's advocated for the trans community. He says whatever you want to do as an adult, do it. But we have to have a little bit of a higher standard when it comes to 10, 11, 12 year olds. God forbid. If you are blocked, if your puberty is blocked, you will have long term impacts on your brain development and your bone development. If you are put on cross sex hormones early, you will have to be on those cross sex hormones for the rest of your life. Decades and decades of treatment. And the question really is, as more and more of this has become public, is do we really think that children, children, even before they have gone through puberty, are genuinely capable of making these kinds of drastic decisions? It's an honest question, and it's a fair question. And look, I don't want to see kids utilized and crassly taken advantage of and people pandering to their political bases. But I'm seeing it more, to be honest, with the federal government than I am with the opposition party. I'm seeing it more with a Justin Trudeau who doesn't say anything about what rules there should be at all. Puberty blockers at age seven, eight, nine, ten. Is that is that good? Surgeries at age 12, 13, 14. He won't say. What a nice coincidence that he doesn't. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. Super Bowl Sunday, Chiefs 49ers. A lot of people planning their uh, menu specifically on that front. Um, and I love this song. I know it's getting played for a reason. There's a little bit of a surprise coming for me. I, I would tell you, we're not setting this up like a, a radio bit where I'm I'm in the know on this one. So I'm a little nervous and trepidatious. This is a uh, brilliant Corey Hart. Corey Hart's one of those ma many artists that I was jealous in elementary school that all the girls liked him. Um, and then I got amazing. to I got to really like him as time went on. I went and went Sheba. I went and saw his tour in 2019. Oh wow! At Bud Stage, it was. Oh, great. but was it the same? Really, 2019? Is he the same? Is it the same energy? Is he? Yeah, I thought he was good because he just doesn't do it that often. He was kind of. He it feels like he's retired again now. Does he, he sound the same? 
Yeah, I think he does. He looks the he's maintained. Oh wow. Yeah, man. I loved him. But, loved him. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh you know, I I don't cross many lines in my life, as you know, Sheba, but uh Corey Hart, I'm I'm i I'd, I'd consider considering it. I get it. I understand that. And this is a great song. This is an iconic song. As soon as you hear that riff and that beat at the beginning, you know exactly what song this is. No matter where you are, you know who's going to sing it. Yeah, correct. However, 2024, anything can happen. And certain people who have very successful careers in one industry seem to think that, oh, they can have a successful career in a different industry. There is a new version of Sunglasses at Night that has just come out. Let's take a listen and you tell me who is singing this. I, and to let the audience know, I've never heard it, right? You're springing this on me. We're not yes, playing a little game here. Was, you have no idea. We're being legit with the audience, for as we always are here. Okay, so I don't know who this is. Let's hear it. I wear my sunglasses at night so I can, so I can. I'm really struggling. <laughs> you know, and, and Gord, you know who it is? I'm the only yeah. one that doesn't know? Because, yeah, I had a Love this game. Dump it in here. It was like the newlywed game. If, yes. I, were a, if I were a straw, w- what would you do with your lips? Like, those, that kind of newlywed <laughs> game, double entendre question. Um, Whose voice is this? This is someone you know. This is a very famous person. I'll give you a clue. This person is known for their beauty. Her beauty? Does she act? No. No, okay. Because you know who I saw has an album coming out? Kate Hudson. She's never oh, made an album see, before. See, that's another one. That's another crossover. Just stop. Well, I, I don't mind when, but I don't mind when musicians act. David Bowie acts and is great. And uh, you're I right. Mick that, I've Jagger seen that acted happen. more. And but Corey, not everyone can sing. You're right. Just not because can you're sing. good at one thing doesn't mean you can sing. He's a very um, specific talent. So this person uh, is very proud of this song. They're promoting it like crazy. They're. They're taking other celebrities online who, who have said, oh, yeah, it's a good song. So they're a model. Yes. Oh, I don't know my Can, models oh, terribly you well. You know this model. Can I you give him another model. hint, Sheba? Well, one sure. of your favorites yes. is uh, the former Tom Brady, Giselle, uh, who can do no wrong. She would it's never humiliate her. herself like this. Well, no. she, she, this, this model is known her as would, Her ex-husband would go back and play NFL again if this was her. Yeah. He'd be like, I'm not letting this trump me. This um, person is well known for her extravagant Halloween uh, costumes. Yes. I yes. don't know what that means. I'm 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 out of the modeling <laughs> oh, loop. Craig oh. Brady. What am okay. I, Leo okay. DiCaprio? I'm I'm paging through Victoria's no, Secret magazines. No, he would never magazines. date her. He would never okay, date I her. Okay, I give up. I don't know it. This is Heidi Klum and her version of Sunglasses at Night. Oh my gosh. She has just come out with this. She's very proud. Brand new. Just dropped. And I heard this and I thought, Heidi, what are you doing? What Wh- are you doing? Well, why not? I, no. It doesn't sound... Off. We've heard, like you said, we've heard worse jobs of actors trying to sing before. We have, but and you just can't take, This is an iconic song. Don't I feel like it's being ruined. Stick to what you do best. Put it smile and oh, look pretty. Oh my heavens, if I said that. Uh, no, listen, uh, maybe maybe <laughs> Heidi Klum opening for Janet Jackson next time around at Bud oh, Stage. Goodness. Wow. You need the uh, auto-tune. If she was she would do it. She, I, she's yeah. you should see the call. she's just sort of praising herself online about it. She's really proud of herself. I just think certain, especially certain songs, pick a different song. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> I loved it. Now, Stay um, in your lane. <laughs> I told you about my uh, immunization uh, experience yesterday. I was giving you yes. some live uh, updates. You I like got to, your vaccine, your latest COVID vaccine. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. My Olivia told me to get the double jab. <laughs> Liv, Liv said, get the double jab. And I'm like, I do whatever. She, 
<laughs> I do whatever she says. Um, but my kids' immunization records were outdated. So we got properly, I guess it's a rule, from the Durham District School Board. And they said, um, your child is overdue for whatever. It's a, a pertussis shot or, uh, or, or, you know. A, and they can't a, come back to school unless it's, it, it's pretty, uh, it's a severe letter they, they bring home. And yeah, the deadline, the deadline, I think, was the end of February. But it was certainly before March break. And we're like, okay, you know, I got nothing happening in the afternoon. Quick in, quick out. And as I told you, I picked them up at 3.30 from school. Uh, we get them in the door of the clinic. It's in Whitby at about 3.42. I run a couple, uh, you know, run a couple of yellows. And because uh, I just want this over with and to come home again. W- w- they got called into the room, Sheba, around 5.55. Oh. We were there two hours and 20 minutes. There were like what felt like hundreds of kids there. It was like a bus stop, an airport. It was like a oh gate where everyone's traveling on the Thursday before Wednesday before Thanksgiving. It was mental. And so obviously all these parents. So I just so just a public service warning go. And I didn't want them missing any school for this. I'm like, that's redundant to take them out of a period of school. They just started, as you know, with your high schooler, it's a new semester. You don't want to be taking days off in the second or third or fourth day of all their brand new courses. But I couldn't believe how many people were there. So I'm warning people go on the weekend. Um, Go oh, I'm sure it's school. worse. I'm sure it's bad on the weekend as well. Do you have Do you have an update to do with? Uh... We do. He's he, it's coming up, I think. But we're gonna. He's got it scheduled for next. No, this month. Yeah. So end of this month. End of this month. So have you been th- Have you been threatened with suspension? Of course, the letters come in, and you sort of <laughs> yes, you you cannot come back to school unless you're updated on, on this and this and this vaccination. Oh, oh, I'd love to. I'd love to hear from people who actually of our generation who are actually suspended from school. I really. It might I don't think cool. that happens. I did no. no. Oh no! Listen, it does. One girl, really? Kristen King, was so drunk at a dance in tenth grade, she wasn't allowed. She was suspended for a week after that. She was falling all over the place. She was slurring her words, and they suspended her. We're like, where? We wanted. Oh no, that that I get. But for immunization, I, don't I think, think so. well, they're uh, they're they're bringing the heavy hand. We'll see if you know. That's you could also you could just well, say that you're an anti-vaxxer, right? You like that term. <laughs> you could just send them a letter saying I'm an anti-vaxxer. Yes. My children don't get vaccinated. Yeah, apparently you're fine. That's a great point. Ninety-one percent of the province are now anti-vaxxers, <laughs> according to some, because we haven't kept up with uh, uh, the double jab. I'm just getting you know six, seven. I don't know how many I've had. Just do it. <laughs> Thanks, Olivia. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. So much um, about our streets. And today will be a uh, summit, if you will, a national summit about car theft. Without word of a lie, just yesterday, I find out from a neighbor uh, and, and he shows me the security camera of uh, of a guy, looked like a lone guy, at 6.51 a.m., who got his way into my neighbor's car and uh, and went right through the glove box and cleaned it out. Like this is, there is a brazenness. 6.51, people are walking their dogs or going for jogs. It's a nice morning. We're not talking. I'm ready. Like, believe me, I've been telling you for ages. I'm ready. I get out the door about 4.15 in the morning and I think, I've got that sort of extra anticipation. What if I see somebody? Usually, as I've told you before, I've bumped into like a fox once uh, and he runs into the backyard or a coyote I can see in the distance down by the super mailbox. But I'm ready to see people at 415. And I never felt that way 10, 11 months ago. No word of a lie. Ron Chinzer is a, a former police officer and a nomination candidate as well for the Conservative Party of Canada in Oakville East. And he's kind enough to give us his time this morning. Ron, it's always great to talk to you and I appreciate your time. 
Thank you, Greg. I appreciate it as well. I lay that out there. You're talking to people in your community. People know who you are, what you've done, and, and you're, you're, you're omnipresent in your community. You must have people tell you the same stories I just told, that there's just that extra tenseness if they're getting home late from a shift or like me getting up really early and, and getting out to their car when it's uh, super early in the morning. They're almost ready for anything now, and we never used to be like that. Absolutely. You're 100% correct. You know, I had a conversation yesterday with somebody and we've all agreed, everybody I speak to, doesn't matter if you're rich or you're poor, doesn't matter where you came from, if you're a Canadian or an immigrant, there's this layer of anxiety and tension in the air and everybody feels it. Yeah. Um, what are you? Do you have expectations today? I know there's a lot of people looking at the federal government saying this is too little, too late, but it is something. Like, I think the first thing is, as we know with anything, personally, professionally, acknowledge there's a problem, do something about it. Can any good come of this particular summit the federal government's hosting? Uh, listen, I got to be bluntly honest with you. No, this is nothing more than a photo opportunity. Nothing is going to change. Look, they knew about this problem. They being the current government in charge of liberal government. They've known about this for years, and this is not a this is not a political angle. This is the truth. They've been in power for eight years. This has been a growing problem. This is nothing new. Why now? Because an election season is happening. This is the number one topic. Everybody in Canada is feeling the impacts of this. This is the number one thing because it's very invasive. Who wants your car stolen from your driveway? It doesn't feel good. Your kids play on your driveway. Your spouse comes home. Exactly like you mentioned today. You wake up and you go to work. Everybody is feeling it at their doorstep, and you know, these type of things, they just turn into photo opportunities. And they did a press conference, you know, a mini little clip yesterday that mm-hmm. sounded to be really just word salad. If you look at what they talked about, they just used buzzwords, you know, AI, tech, investment, CBSA. $28 million for a problem like this is a drop in the bucket. And they never addressed the root cause being the terrible legislation that enables these bad guys to continue to do what they do. Yeah, and I want to get to some of that, which is convictions, which is sentences, which is is something obviously that I think we're all, um, regardless of ideology, sensing we, we've just dropped the ball on this for a few straight years, if not more than that. But I, I bring up the CBSA. Is there is, is there just far more in terms of safeguarding? Would there be as many thefts if there wasn't an obvious system that gets these cars moving, usually east, Ron, and knowing that there's a cash transaction? People aren't stealing cars for the usage of the cars. They're stealing them because they're commodities, and there's a system by which they can get thousands of dollars for them. No, you're 100% correct. If there was any block in any of the chain of events, right, and where we feel it the most is we feel it municipal. I'll tell you, Oakville had a town hall last night, and you have municipal members trying to come up with a solution for a federal problem, and the CBSA is a part of it. Now, it's not the CBSA staff themselves necessarily. It's the scope behind them. It's the money being invested into them. We're more concerned about stuff coming into the country, rightfully so, than about stuff leaving. However, the stuff that's leaving is supporting and funding serious organized crime and potentially terrorist groups. And now we're seeing, because we have this vulnerability in the system that the bad guys and the criminals know, we're just kind of leaving that gap open. Uh, That's being hacked to death. Being that, hey, listen, easy to steal a car, easy to get it there. Nobody's checking. And then off it goes to another country, which for jurisdiction purposes, now you're looking at having to bring in guys like Interpol. You need massive communication pipelines from our federal government to another. It just becomes this logistical nightmare when really, if we could put a plug in that particular spot right now, it would be a big part of the solution. Ron Schinzer is our guest on Toronto Today on 640 Toronto. I couldn't get out of my head the story from Friday morning, Ron. I'm sure you heard about it too. A 16-year-old and a 13-year-old uh, shove a mother out of the way and they drive off in a grocery store parking lot uh, in a car with a 5-year-old and a 4-month-old in it. Now, the cops got those guys. 
But I'm just guessing those guys are out right now. Like they have to be. They're 16 and 13. They're still back. They're back on our streets days later, aren't they? Yeah, Youth Criminal Justice Act. You know, anybody under the age of 18, so you're looking at 17 and under, fall under a different threshold. And the irony, the irony of this entire conversation, legally we have said people under the age of 17 lack the mental capacity to understand the impacts of what they're doing, so there should be a separate legal system that takes into account their age, immaturity, and their brain development. This is for serious violent crimes. Now, look, I agree with a big portion of that because when you have a 13 and a 16-year-old doing something like this, there's a bigger issue. There's something else happening there. That we have to look at globally as a community in terms of their education, their family, the community, other stuff there. But in one hand, you have an element of this where people are like, wow, they should be going to jail. But then on the other hand, if you hear some of the stuff that people are talking about now, it's like a 10-year-old kid can make life-altering decisions, and that's absolutely okay. They have the responsibility and the maturity to be able to make decisions that are going to impact them forever on one hand. But then on this hand here, when it happens to us, then you get this NIMBY attitude where it's like, well, if they steal my car, they should go to jail for life. It's so backwards, and, and there's, that's such a big issue, but that's not surprising. We've had kids shooting kids for the last 10 years at least, especially yeah. during my policing career, and nobody bats an eye when it's in a certain community. But when it happens and it's a national polling issue, now all of a sudden we should stop doing everything and we should care. It's absolutely disgusting, and it's a disservice to them, their communities, yeah. and their families, and the victims of these crimes. I think that's such a great point uh, to talk about responsibility and accountability at a certain age for A, but not necessarily for B. And, and yeah, it shouldn't fall along ideological lines. You're you're responsible for your actions um, almost at any age. I want to ask you about Belleville uh, in this story. We played a clip from the mayor a little earlier on. Kelly Cotrera had him on uh, on her show. 13 overdoses in less than an hour. Tell, give, give us your thought when a police department of a small town, 50,000 people, has to send a message out to their citizens saying, don't come to the downtown in broad daylight on a weekday because we are stret 13 overdoses of 50,000 people in less than an hour. Yeah, no, it's terrible. Look, Belleville, I don't know if people remember this. I've been keeping up to date with some statistics in Ontario regarding uh, overdoses. In November, I believe Belleville had 90 overdoses in one week. This is nothing new for them. This is the growth yeah. of the drug trade. Drug trades will happen in hub cities like Toronto, for example. Big cities will have the drug trade. Those markets get saturated. Drug dealers understand if I go to a smaller town like Belleville, mm. there's less competition. And because of the current mental health of our country right now, there's a higher amount of drug use, which was substantially amplified by COVID and CERB. All right. That, that provided uh, resources to addicts who had no idea how to use the money besides supporting their drugs, which grew that demand. When we have issues like this, drugs are generally inhaled, ingested, or absorbed. And in this particular case yeah. here, this is crippling for a city for the emergency services. If we had this happen in Toronto, 13 in one division, we'd be shut down completely. But something well, like this, it's, it's so sad because they're just regular people. But that's where I that's where I got to I, I got to wonder, um, because these mayors, Neil Ellis was on from Belleville. we got the mayor Whitby coming on before seven. Th- these mayors need help from the province. Doug Ford's government, and they need help from the federal government, Justin Trudeau's liberals, because all I keep reading, Ron, is, well, people are getting put on buses and bus to these small towns and promise there will be services there. We'll give you a hot meal. You'll ride the bus. You'll have a good time. You'll get out of the cold. And they show up and there's nothing for them there. They've been they've been hoodwinked. There's nothing for them in these small towns to help their needs. Yeah. Economic development. Number one, right in mental health and well-being. Look, when you, when you ship people out there, there's this idea we all want to inherently believe that homelessness and drug addiction, it's a result of some other issue. And if we just fix this one thing, it'll all get better. These are sick people that need help. 
Uh, 99% of homelessness is a result of mental health and drug addiction or a combination of both. Yeah. That's a fact. That can't be debated. So when we have a, a, a population, regardless of if you want to create safe supply or safe injection sites, you're doing nothing about the root cause. In fact, what you're doing is you're growing the illegal market again because we've given a place for drug users to be able to use their drugs, number one. And the other part that people don't understand is those drug clinics, those safe injections, the police are not allowed in there. Even if there's an overdose, they bring in paramedics to keep the cops out, quote-unquote, safe for the drug users. Well, what happens around that area is now you have an increased demand for drug supply, which creates drug dealers. Now, gangs have three purposes, deal drugs, control territory, collect debt. Where do we think they're getting these drugs from? And when you're getting a pure supply from the government, you now have that supply, which gets changed out for ones that are laced with fentanyl because addicts are already used to a stronger substance. So they take the pure supply, which is not as strong as fentanyl. Yeah. They go back and they exchange uh, it with drug dealers for other ones that are stronger and unfortunately more deadly. Yeah, we've made it so easy for the dealers, the quote unquote bad guys, if you will. Ron, I got to leave it there. Thanks so much for the time. No problem, Greg. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Ron Chinsers, former Toronto Peel police officer, current uh, nominee for the Conservative Party of Canada, uh, Canada in Oakville East.